The Why Me Project, an exclusive presentation of Faith Strong Today. Episode number... Two... Two... Two I'm like, oh, where no. did all these other episodes come from? <laughs> if you go back to episode number six, mm-hmm. uh, one of the greatest guests he would tell you of all time was on our podcast, and that was uh, a comedian extraordinaire, the greatest comedian that I know, and Leland Clausen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he told me say, to say all of that. Yeah, as they say <laughs> that uh, behind every is it, great man is an even greater woman. Isn't that the same? Mm, Something right. like that? I've heard that. Yeah. yeah. And I've it's heard true. that too. I've known I've known Leland for like 16, 17 years. And it was only it took like 15 years, 14 years before I was finally invited over to their house. And then uh, (laughs) Carrie had barbecued for us. It was delicious Mm -hmm. and amazing. (laughs) Carrie Clausen, how are you? Good. Uh, Thank you for having me. It's so nice to be here. I remember that time you came to our house. Yes. Um, I asked you if our coffee was good. Because I thought, you know what, here's the guy that is going to be honest with me. Leland and I don't drink coffee, we don't know. And you told me it was the worst coffee you had ever had in your life. (laughs) Do you you remember that? I don't drink coffee. What? Yeah. Yeah, that was the wrong one to ask. (laughs) So you actually were just like, I hate coffee, period. It wasn't my coffee that you hate. We got a whole new machine. We changed brands. (laughs) We got a coffee grinder. Johnny. Well. <laughs> you owe them like two grand. <laughs> I do. We upped our coffee game and I I just took your word for it. I can't believe it. That's the worst. Anyway, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, I was listening and we'll get to our skill testing question in a moment, but I was listening back to some audio of interviews that I've done with your husband in the past. And it's like your boys in elementary school. Like that's how long oh, I've wow. known your husband. And so. you're still friends. Well. You might say otherwise, but uh, we like to ask that skill testing question because we never know where it's going to go. Carrie, who are you and where did you come from? Who am I? That's a, that's an odd question. Who am I? <laughs> I'm from Melford, Saskatchewan. I'm a small town girl. Let's, let's say that. I like how you made fun of our question and we've asked 212 <laughs> guests that question. And you're the first one to say, well, that question is terrible. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just honked loud. Uh, the book... <laughs> The booming metropolis of um, Saskatchewan. At what point did you decide that I got to get out of this place and actually see people? <laughs> I, we, out of Saskatchewan, Leland and I actually had been married a few years already. So about 2001, we left to move to BC. So it was a while. We got married there. We had our boys there. We like Saskatchewan. It was hard, actually. Moving to BC, it took me a good four years to not just get on a plane and go home. <laughs> it was <laughs> People thought it was so weird in BC. They thought, of course, you think it's better here. But mm-hmm. no, not everything's better here. Yeah. Saskatchewan's good. Well, they do say it takes about four years to really start to feel like you have some sort of roots. So, you know, you pushed past that four-year mark. So that's good. Yes. Yeah, we did it. And we've been here for about, Hunter was almost one, so he's 20 now. So we've been here mm. for a while. Nice. And it's, it's home now. We love it. The thing is, is that people know you uh, as Leland's wife, but you are more than that. And, and I mean, growing up, uh, as you were growing up in Saskatchewan, you're going to school and that. I don't think at any point in time, you're like, man, I'm going to be a comedian's wife. You had your own dreams, goals, aspirations and everything else. What did you think that life was going to be like for you? Oh, uh, yeah, that's a really good question. Um, 
yeah, especially growing up in a small town, you kind of feel like your options are a little bit limited. <laughs> you need to move in order to do kind of anything. But uh, when I was about 15, I started modeling and then I went to Japan when I graduated from high school. So I, mm. I think I kind of just thought, hey, this is the beginning of an amazing life. And I've never really been a big planner. So I didn't have a five-year plan or <laughs> a really long-term <laughs> plan. Um, but I was just... Yeah, the big wide world was opening up to me, and it was, I thought it was exciting and fun. Um, but yeah, comedian's wife, no, never. It took me a good 20 years of being married to Leland before I even got to the point where I thought, <laughs> where I finally accepted that. <laughs> so yeah, definitely didn't think I was heading in this direction, but it's been great. Growing up in a small town, um, just I know for, you know, I lived in the country for a little while, it's... Uh, it's nice. It's quiet. It's quaint. And uh, to have aspirations of bigger and better isn't always met with open arms. How did your parents respond to you saying, so I'm moving and I'm going to Japan. I'm going across the world. <laughs> yeah, I think they were they were definitely nervous. Um, I wanted to go when I was 15, but they were like, no, you're not going anywhere until you graduate from high school. So mm. um, yeah, they were definitely worried about me, but I think they really, they had a great balance of, of just kind of equipping me, but yet also giving me freedom to just kind of make mistakes. And, and yeah, I did do a lot of making mistakes and, um, but they didn't hover. They didn't, um, yeah, try to stop me really from trying to figure things out and, and, and just going and exploring the world, which it's pretty amazing, actually. As a parent myself, I don't know if I'm quite so... Probably because I made such bad decisions, I'm not sure if I'm quite so willing <laughs> to let my boys do the same. But, um, but yeah, they gave me a lot of room to kind of learn and grow. Did you... And I mean, uh, you can look at me. Modeling was never a thing for me, <laughs> unless it was, you know, a foot model or a, a, a back-of-the-leg model. Did you have the confidence? Did you feel that you were, you know, I am going to be the greatest model in the world? Did you feel like, you know, I'm the prettiest woman in the world and no one can <laughs> stop me? No, not at all. I was kind of a tomboy. And um, yeah, I think my whole family was shocked that that would even be an option for me. Mm. We just didn't um, put any kind of value on that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, it was just simply kind of a way to just see the world a bit. But um but yeah, and as far as models go, I wasn't that great. I mean, I'm short. <laughs> and when I did work um, professionally, I did a lot of commercial type work, which is um, catalogs and, and and actual TV commercials and things like that. So it's not, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't amazing. It was fun, but it's not something, unless you're 5'8 and up, you're not really going to be able to have a career. Petite models can only do so much. <laughs> so. That was my problem, so, yeah. too. And, <laughs> right? Holly, are you also short? <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> what about the faith side of growing up? Um, was faith a big part of your family culture, or did it happen later on in life for you? It was part of my family culture. I grew up in a really wonderful Christian home, um, and uh, my parents didn't just they didn't just believe it. They actually lived it. So they were just an amazing example for me uh, growing up. But... Unfortunately, I had to kind of, my faith had to become my own, which all of us have to get to that point at, at some time. Um, but I really rejected my faith. Um, as I went through my teen years, I really kind of wasn't satisfied with some of the answers I was given. 
Um, so even I, I had great a great foundation in my home and in, and in my local church, um, but I just kind of felt like church and rules were just there to stop me from having fun, and hmm. and I didn't really see um, how it was relevant to me in my life, and so I kind of just stuck it in my back pocket, and I I just kind of ignored it and just pursued having fun, and it took me a while. I did obviously come back to the faith. Um, but it, it did take a while, and that's kind of a really long story. <laughs> but I We've can got time. share bits of that with you. As, yeah, yeah. So do you guys want to hear all that stuff? I want to hear all of it because I've read a little okay. bit. I cheated. Usually we don't okay. cheat. So I I know a little bit more of your story. So let's talk about that transition from being in Saskatchewan to Japan because I can imagine that was a huge shock. Um, I remember yeah. when I was younger, my uh, my mom or my grandmother would always say, oh, be careful of that industry. It's really dark. It's, you know, it's right. one to be almost afraid of. So yeah. let's talk about that transition. So young in the modeling industry, how did it go? How did you navigate it? And yet looking back and just that industry is not a great place to uh, kind of walk obediently in your faith, and if you're you're not even considering that, then yeah, it's pretty hard. Um, but so, 17, two weeks out of high school, I got on a plane. I had never actually even been on a plane before. It was my oh, wow. first plane ride, um, and back then, kind of pre 2001, um, they let you visit the cockpit when it was your first time, <laughs> first time on a plane. So I got to go see the pilots, have a nice little chat. Um, and we flew, I think, from Vancouver to Seattle and then all the way to Japan. So just the journey itself was just so exciting for me and so fun. And and then when I got to Japan, um, uh, yeah, I just I had so much fun just exploring the countryside. And as you work, you get to travel, obviously. So I did a lot of that. Um, sometimes I would just get on a train and ride it to the end of the line and just see where it took me. Um, I was fearless. I would just be wow. all over Tokyo and then later in Osaka. Um, but the contracts were just a few months long. Um, and I was there for two stints. And after that, you kind of get a little bit saturated in the industry. It's not a huge country, so you start seeing your face everywhere. But um, but yeah, the, the lifestyle was interesting. You would um, get up every day and go on go-sees um, with models in your agency, and then you would meet other models uh, from other agencies at the, at the go-sees. So you were doing that all day until you worked, and then when you were working, obviously you were traveling away. And then in the evenings, we would get into really high-end nightclubs uh, for free, just by showing our comp card. And so um, we spent a lot of evenings in the clubs, just eating free. I remember my to my roommate stealing toilet paper as well. I can't remember why. I think we kept using our our um, the agency gave us uh, an allowance, so we'd keep using our allowance to to buy clothes or makeup, and then we would have nothing left. So it kind of even forced us to the clubs in the evening because we wouldn't be able to eat unless we went somewhere and got it for free. But the other models that I, I worked with in my agency were from all over the world. Um, it was really fun um, to just connect with people that were, were so diverse. And, and I was so young when I went. A lot of them were older. And so I just really looked up to them and and idolize them and I spent a lot of time just kind of um, watching and listening and learning and and trying to emulate them as much as I could and that was actually when the, the idea of um, and this will be kind of a tip off to my whole story but the idea of abortion kind of um, first even came into my head and 
um, several of my roommates were just kind of sitting around chatting and they were all sharing how they had had abortions. Some had had multiple and, and they talked about it in such a casual way. And I remember just being kind of shocked by that. Um, and they just really didn't uh, have any regrets. They said it was a good thing for them. And, and so that was just kind of, it really, it, yeah, it was, I found that to be real, a really interesting conversation. So I, I went home from Japan. I kind of continued in the lifestyle that I had started there, which was going out every night. Um, I started, I went to school, I was working as a legal assistant at the time, and then to pick up extra money, I was working in a jewelry store, um, evenings and weekends, and, and somehow I had the energy to still be going out all the time and, and partying with friends. And and just over those few years, I just walked further and further away from God, and and I thought less and less about my um, my faith. and and less and less about um, kind of the way that I was raised and the way I was brought up. Um, obviously that was troubling for my family, for my parents, but they uh, they just continued to love me all the way through that. With, without giving me permission, <laughs> they still made me feel loved. Um, so yeah, so that um, kind of took me into my early 20s. Um, I was seriously dating a guy for a while and um, I found out I was pregnant. And I was about 19, and um, just really at that point in my life felt backed into a corner. I, I had been dating this particular guy long enough that I kind of knew I didn't really want a permanent relationship with him, but yet I wasn't quite ready to pull the trigger to break up either because our lives had become kind of intertwined and it was difficult. So, um, so yeah, I really just felt backed into a corner. I didn't know what to do. and and um, and instead of my faith kind of convicting me to do what was right, unfortunately, I think it actually pushed me to hide my sin. Um, so I made the choice to have an abortion at 19. Um, and I just remember this just kind of a, a moment that just really sticks in my memory when I, when I, actually, to be honest with you guys, I try not to remember a lot of this stuff. It's not really a place in my life that I like to visit mentally, um, but I have been sharing my story more and more, and so it's been good for me. But this one memory that I have, um, just being at the hospital, and I'm following the nurse down the hallway to go get my abortion. Up until that point, I was able to kind of make the decision and then kind of shove it down. Don't think about it. Um, the modeling, too, I should probably say, it really kind of changed the way that I thought about myself. It, it kind of, it was, it was more, my mind was separated from my body. It kind of taught me that mentality that if I was at a video shoot or a photo shoot and I felt uncomfortable um, just because I was wearing not enough clothes or just feeling kind of vulnerable in some way, um, I would just kind of shove that down and just say, no, keep it professional. I just got to be professional and do my job. And so I really kind of trained myself and taught myself to just not, as long as I was in control of my body, then it was okay. And so I really tried to, to just separate my mind from my body. So it, it kind of got me to that point when I had the abortion that I was in that place again where it was like, hey, this is happening to my body, but it's not going to affect my mind. It's not going to affect my spirit. And so I'm walking down the hallway and I'm kind of starting to panic. Up until then, I was able to just kind of shove it all down and not think about it too much. Um, but in that moment, I panicked and I thought, well, maybe God would send someone to stop me. So 
I thought if I turn around and I see somebody in the hallway, I didn't care if it was a janitor, I didn't care who it was, I thought if I see somebody in the hallway, I will stop and I won't do this. And I turned around and the hospital hallway was completely empty. There was nobody there and it was completely silent. And so then I realized this is my decision. And so I just turned around and I went forward and I did it. Sorry, I get emotional still. Um, I went forward and I did it. But, and after that, I was able to pretty successfully just shove it down um, and not think about it. I think, well, actually, to be honest, I think I thought I was shoving it down and not thinking about it. Um, but it did kind of fester. And after a while, probably about a year or so later, um, it just really, I just really kind of got to a low point in my life. And I just realized I was making terrible, terrible choices for myself that I was pursuing happiness, but I didn't feel happy. I was pursuing um, what I thought was freedom, but I didn't feel at all free. And so, um, yeah, so about a year after my abortion, I just completely surrendered my life to Christ. And it was only then that I was really willing to um, submit and allow um, God to speak into my life. It was the first time where I started to ask him what he wanted me to do and um, help ask him to help guide me with my choices and decisions. And, and it was profound for me. It, I mean, it was life-changing in so many ways. And, and at the same time, it was also a very slow journey from there. So um, that would have been when I was about 20. It still took me so many years to really even um, get to the point where you could see fruit in my life that I was actually a Christian. That's kind of my story. It's kind of heavy, but um, God is so good, and I'm so thankful for where I am today. And I'm still a little surprised at how slow my spiritual journey has been, <laughs> mm -hmm. that I'm not a more mature Christian even now than I would love to be. But Obviously, you broke up with that one guy. Uh, you then start a relationship with uh, your your now husband. Yeah. Uh, how difficult of a conversation is that then to have, I mean, boyfriend, fiance, now husband to say, oh, by the way, this is what had happened back then. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually kind of another whole story because I decided, you know what, this is in my past. I'm going to leave it there. I'm not going to share it. So I did not even tell Leland before we got married that I had had an abortion. And it wasn't until uh, about a year or so after we got married that I did tell him. Um, I'm, I'm so glad that God gave me the courage to do that then because a year mm. later I actually miscarried and I'm being rolled down the hospital headed to the emergency room and they're asking me if I have any previous uh, pregnancies and I'm like, yes, and I, I gave them the dates. and and. I just can't even imagine what that would have been like for Leland to hear that news for the first time then. Oh, yeah. um, so I'm so thankful that we were able to kind of process that together um, well before that time. But too, I do want to tell you guys about my miscarriage because um, so I, I, I was, as I said, I was being rolled down the hospital and, and I ended up miscarrying twins and it was really hard on Leland and I, but um, it was in those moments that I really had to face my sin and, and mm. I, I just remember feeling so confused about how I could, how can you celebrate the life and death of these children or mourn the life and death of these children, but then ignore the life and death of the child I aborted. And so 
oh, see, I was already a Christian at that point and, and trying to live my life faithfully. But it was that during that time that I really <clears throat> was kind of forced to just face my sin full on. And, and it was during that time that I was able to just see how much I had been forgiven and how much that God really loved me. And, and that, again, just continued to deepen my walk and deepen my faith. So, but yeah, but I kind of jumped ahead again because I did meet Leland. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, I'm hijacking my 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 interview. <laughs> there's no there's no script to this. No yeah. Script? Oh, good. No. Okay. Blank pages. We just have questions. <laughs> yes. I, uh, okay, then let's let's do the rewind part then because at some point where was it? It was in a it was in a hall and you saw this big tall lanky man who was saying, "Look at my hands! <laughs> look at my hands!" Or at what point did you come to the conclusion that there's this guy named Leland and I kind of like him? Yeah, youth group at church. I actually met Leland though for the very first time. I was thirteen. He was twelve at summer camp. Oh. And he dated my best friend, Heather, who was very cute and could sing. So I can understand why he <laughs> thought she was cute. Um, but so then we met again uh, at youth group at church. Uh, we were both living in Saskatoon at the time. He was going to university and I was just working. So uh, but I was really struck by how confident he was. Obviously, I had no idea he was going to be a comedian. And I probably Otherwise. ran the other direction <laughs> had I known. <laughs> But he was so confident. Young 20-year-old Leland was like, could take on the world. He was amazing. He's standing on the other side of the room that you're in with a cup, (laughs) hearing all of this goodness that you're saying. He's like, that's right. That's right. (laughs) So what was it like now dating this confident man who was actually going to a youth group? Obviously, there was this element of faith. Uh, kind of a different kind of relationship than previous ones, I'm guessing. Yeah. he And the other thing, he was so confident, but then he also just had a really clear um, sense of right and wrong, black and white, and his faith mm. was very strong. And I was really attracted to that, too. That was amazing. And he's still that same guy today. Like, for him, things are just so simple. <laughs> For me, a lot of my life, I was kind of like, well, this is kind of a gray area. And he'd be like, no, it's not. (laughs) This is right. And this is wrong. So he's just been, yeah, so great. And I, I, I love that he hasn't changed. 27 years later, he's still that same guy. Maybe not quite as confident. I think marriage, just being married to me alone has kind of knocked. (laughs) (laughs) I have made it my mission to make sure that he knows he is not perfect. (laughs) I mean, you guys have had a lot of difficult conversations before, you know, as you're dating, as you're newlyweds, through these 27 years of marriage. How difficult of a conversation was it when he said, uh, Carrie, I want to be a comedian. Yeah, that's, I was so naive. I thought, yeah, sure. He, well, you know what? He didn't actually present it quite that way. He was like, I've written some material. He was tree planting to put himself through university because he didn't want a big university bill at the, at the end of his anthropology degree, which got him absolutely nothing. So it was very wise <laughs> that he worked his way through so he didn't have a big bill. But um, he would be out tree planting and he started writing material. And um, he did that even a year after we got married. 
Um, and so he kind of shared with me one day, he's like, I've always wanted to do this. I want to try it. I'm like, let's go and do it. How fun. Let's do it. So we went down to the local comedy club and he did a, um, five minutes for the amateur nights. And I have to say he was terrible. It was not great. And so he got off stage and I thought, oh, for sure. He's going to be like, well, I tried. That was fun, but you know, it's not my thing. But he was like, he got off stage, he was so pumped. He loved it. He loved every minute of, of it. And my jaw just kind of dropped. I was like, really? <laughs> really? That was fun for you? That was not fun for me. Um, but he, <laughs> he just kept pushing, like he kept trying, kept working on it. And he just loved every minute of it. So it was fun to see him pursue that. Um, but then when he actually made the decision to go full time, that's when I was like, okay, this has been great, but I don't think you can actually support us this way. So mm. I actually said to him, you need to get a plan B. Um, your anthropology degree is not giving you kind of viable employment, so you need a plan B. So he started going back to school to be a teacher, um, which he would have been terrible. He would have been a terrible teacher. So I'm so <laughs> glad that God kind of thwarted that plan. But um, six months before he finished his degree, he got offered a job at Now TV as kind of a BJ out here in BC and so I was like pension benefits regular pay like it <laughs> let's do it <laughs> and so he did that for two years and then went back to stand up full-time and he's been doing it ever since hmm. so yeah he kind of had to prove it to me I questioned it a lot over the years so he gets off stage he's pumped about it he says that he wants to do this this comedy career um do you find him funny <laughs> hmm Yes and no. For years, I've just said, nope, no, I, I don't find him funny. <laughs> it's, that's not really the honest answer because when I watch him perform, I'm like, I'm almost surprised every time. Oh, you are funny. You are talented. <laughs> you are good at this. But when he's at home, it's so different. He's just so quirky <laughs> and, yeah. and different that it's hard. And he used to, in the beginning, kind of run material by me. But I just, yeah, he got to the point where if I didn't like it, he would do it and it would go well. But if I did mm. like it, it didn't do well. So he, he just stopped asking me after a while. <laughs> so like my wife, because I've been in radio for so long, she cannot listen to radio. She critiques other people kind of what they're doing. Oh, funny. And this is, so I've ruined radio for her. Do you hate comedy? I don't hate comedy, but there's not very many comedians that I like. I do feel oh, like I've seen so many stand-ups perform that I already know where their punchline's going. And I already, I don't know. So it has to take, it takes a really unique act for me to really enjoy it. Hmm. Um, but I do enjoy comedy. I just don't ever want to sit down and on Netflix and watch stand-up, though. Every once in a while, Leland will make me do it. <laughs> But that's not my first choice. <laughs> okay, so while Leland is pursuing comedy, you're trying to be supportive, but wondering, where is this leading us? What were you doing? Yeah. <laughs> what were you up to? <laughs> so, <laughs> what was I doing? Oh, man. So I just felt compelled. And, and I look back now and I realize that I probably made this more difficult for myself. But 
I just craved security and I craved kind of structure. And so I kept choosing jobs that would give me that because I knew that Leland's career wouldn't. Um, <laughs> but because of that, I think I worked a lot harder than I needed to. Hmm. Um, so I jumped around, but I did work uh, in private practice at law firms for I think about 14 years. Um, and then I went to Department of Justice in Saskatoon, worked there for a few few years. And then when we moved out here to BC, um, I was on mat leave with our youngest son. And when the mat leave was over, I worked at Department of Justice in Vancouver for a year. But that commute was um, kind of brutal. We were living in, we were living in Abbotsford even now. And, and so I'd leave my kids um, with a neighbor at uh, 6 a.m. and come home at 7.30 p.m. And so that was mm. kind of heartbreaking for me as a mom. And they were just little guys. They were like one and four. So um, I just put in my one year and then I was home with them for a bit and then I just did little things here and there I worked for a, a, a developer in my neighborhood and I sold um, I sold homes with him and um, and then when my youngest was in middle school I actually started working at our local church um, Northview Church here in, in Abbotsford and I've been there I think for about eight years I'm the executive assistant office manager there and I love it do you do you feel like I mean, with the job that you have in working with church, and then the job that your husband does, do you feel like it is a form of ministry? We were very surprised to kind of realize that, probably not even until like maybe ten years ago, that actually we were doing ministry because <laughs> we'd always thought that that was kind of a very specific thing, and and you picture missionaries or you picture pastors or mm-hmm. that type of thing, and. And that wasn't what we were doing at all. But, and really, to be honest, in Leland's career, like he didn't intend to do Christian comedy. He was a Christian who was a comedian. And so he did a lot of clubs and he still does do clubs. Um, But he was trying to stay out of the Christian market and just do secular. Um, But more and more, he just naturally gravitated that way. And I think, um, I think we both feel like, unless it's got some kind of ministry bent that we don't even really feel like it's worthwhile you know what I mean we not not that working in the secular world is a bad thing it's not at all I think that a lot of Christians are called to do that but for us I think that it's just become such an important part of our lives that that yeah we want Christ to be the center of it and it's really hard for that not to ooze out into your into everything that you do so um Leland can go to a club and do stand up and he maybe doesn't talk about his faith but he's still um, we'll do the exact same material in the club that he would do in a church or any other setting. So, so yeah, and he was able to kind of talk to other comedians um, in the clubs that uh, obviously come from completely different backgrounds and have different ideas. Uh, so, so that kind of became a ministry of his too. Um, yeah, and for me, I think just supporting him in that as much as I could. It did take me a long time to get there. Um, as I said before, it. It was kind of, um, yeah, not frustrated. Well, I guess I have to say frustrated (laughs) by what I thought was his career choice. But more and more, it's obviously been evident to me that this is God's calling on his life. And and so I 100% 100 am at the point where I support it (laughs) now. (laughs) Not then, but now. You are incredibly supportive. but, But I mean, he's also, he has a career where he's on the road all the time. I mean, it's like he's an athlete, but if we've ever looked at Leland, he's not very athletic. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> so how is it? Uh, have you gotten used to? Is it normal of him yes. being away uh, for you know extended periods of time because that's just kind of how it's been? Yeah, it has almost always been that way our entire marriage. So I am very much used to that. Um, there's been seasons where that's bothered me more than it has at other times. I think when the boys were little and there would be kind of big dates like birthdays and things like that or school events that he wouldn't be able to go to and. And so that was kind of hard. Um, it was just sad that he wasn't there and he wasn't always able to just kind of um, work around that with his schedule. But um, yeah, it it's something, I think too, my personality has never really been one that, like I, I'm okay being alone, I'm okay. I think we've struggled more with um, just not being too independent because we, we do need to, as a couple, we need to work together. And it's hard to do that when you're never actually together. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. when he's away on the road, I kind of get a little bit self-centered and I kind of do everything, raise the boys the way I want to raise them, run the house the way I want to run it. And then he comes home and he kind of turns my whole world upside down. And, and I know he feels a lot of the same way that I did too. So so that was it's that was hard. And, and just the adjusting from him coming home and being away, home and away, it wasn't so much hard that he was away. It was the transitions in between both that were difficult for us. Um, and I don't know if we ever got really good at it. We, we worked at it so hard. I think we got better, but I don't know if we're good at it. I don't know. It's hard. It's interesting how marriage, you can be married for so long and you still are learning so much. Yeah, they say marriage is easy. That's true. <laughs> There's a reason they say that. <laughs> I mean, if it wasn't for the pandemic and my wife always wearing a mask, I would have never known that she had brown eyes. <laughs> you learn something new every day. Wow. You're so it's observant, true. Johnny. <laughs> we'll pray we for your it. wife. <laughs> we will. Definitely. <laughs> I kind of want to talk more, though, about some of those early experiences, you know, going through such trauma and, and, you know, shoving it down. And then, you know, you're really excited to have twins. And then, you know, tragically, you know, you miscarry them. How do they impact you? How do they impact your relationship, you know, with with Leland? Like, Hmm. I don't know. I, I, I feel very fortunate I've never gone through that. So it's hard to, like, understand. I just feel like I would be so angry and just so full of probably self-loathing if we're honest how did you navigate that yeah Yeah, it and we'd only been married about two years I guess when I miscarried so we were still figuring out married life and we didn't really on the big scheme of things didn't even really know each other that well yet Mm -hmm. right um but we were still just working at it and I think the saddest thing for me was just seeing that it did really hurt Leland it did change him to go through that experience and I think for both of us though it was our first kind of time where real life just kind of hit us and we all have to get to that point at at some time we all kind of go through tough things Um, but yeah you're right Holly like for me it was more like guilt and shame and just struggling over the idea that I talked to my doctor shortly after and and I asked him I'm like did I miscarry because of my abortion and he just looked at me and he was a wonderful Christian man um, that I had actually just found a few years before. And so I was, I was so thankful for, I can't say enough, you need a Christian doctor <laughs> speaking into your life. Um, but he just looked at me and he just said, Carrie, 
there's a chance that it could have been because of your abortion um, that it weakened the cervix and, and therefore you couldn't carry. And so after that uh, chat with him, it just really hit me that that this was my fault or this was possibly my fault and, and then I deserved it. And, and yet it's just so amazing as a Christian because um, every time we sin and, and we deserve to be punished, we deserve to be um, rejected and, and yet God forgives us and it's just so amazing that um, just that unconditional love that if you're willing to submit and um, ask for forgiveness and turn from our sin, that God never shuts that door for us. So even though it was such a hard thing in our lives, I think I almost can't regret it because I remember every single time how much God loves me and how much he's forgiven me. So it's a blessing. And it's just so cool how God can use those terrible things in our life for our good and his glory. And um, even when we inflict them on ourselves, like I know so many of my friends have gone through so many difficult things and it's no fault of their own. And um, seeing God work in their lives through those kind of circumstances. But even in circumstances like mine where I completely brought on my own pain, God still forgives us and redeems us. So it's pretty cool. So, yeah, it, it was hard for me to watch it hurt Leland because uh, I felt like he was just blameless and it wasn't. It was something from my past that was following me into our marriage that, that we had to deal with. So, yeah. But he has never been judgmental of me, not once, which is pretty amazing, too. He's never made me feel um, less than or not loved, mm. which is pretty Was crazy. it difficult to then have that conversation about wanting to have another? Because you've now lost twins and it's like do we even want to try to go through this again right i actually i feel like i went a little bit crazy after i miscarried i wanted to get pregnant again so fast <laughs> but too fast my doctors were saying no you need to wait you need to let your body heal um but i just yeah i just felt this panicky i need to be pregnant i need to be pregnant um i think it was just really an emotional reaction to to the miscarriage and um yeah, and then every pregnancy after that, so our, we just had two boys. And, and part of the reason why we did stop it, too, is because my pregnancies were high risk and I had to go in for um, additional medical treatments and so much, so many doctor's trips. And, and it just wasn't really a fun experience. And, and yeah, but we'd never doubted that it's something we wanted to continue to try. That one time wasn't enough for us to want to, to not continue to try. As your boys grow older and now they, I, I'm guessing they've probably know they know your story by now. Was that a difficult thing to? Because uh, down the road, I guess I have to tell my kids my story. <laughs> was yeah. that difficult saying, "Okay, I don't want you doing this," but this yeah. was my story, so. I, I know, and yeah, uh, it was really hard for me to figure out. I actually talked to a few of the pastors at work because I'm like, at what point do you talk to your kids about this stuff? Like, what? when is it giving them permission to do like i didn't want my boys to get the impression like oh well mom turned out good so whatever right. it doesn't matter i can do whatever mm -hmm. i want it'll be fine god will forgive me <laughs> it's all good <laughs> um i didn't want them to get that kind of impression but yet i knew that i needed to share my story and i and i really was feeling convicted to just share my story generally with people and i couldn't do that 
until they knew, and I couldn't do that until the rest of my family knew. Um, so it was really hard for me to sit my boys down. I told my oldest um, a few years ago, um, I think when he was 19 and he's 24 now. And I was just so thankful. Instead of him, I was worried, you're, as a parent, you kind of worry that they'll lose respect for you or that they will be angry at you or I don't know, there's so many different things that you're kind of concerned about. Um, but what it actually did with my relationship with him is it opened doors and he was able to talk to me about things that he hadn't shared with me before. And and um, I think in a, a lot of ways it brought us closer and it's made our relationship better. And then just about a year ago was the first time I shared my story publicly. So just before that, I talked to my youngest who's just turning, or he just turned 20 this year. and. So I actually ended up telling him when he was 19 as well, and and he was amazing. He just had a few questions, uh, but he's my, kind of my quiet one. And so I thought, you know what, he probably needs time to process this, and he might come back with questions later, um, which he did a little bit. But, um, yeah, I'm so thankful. I have just the best boys that are just so loving and kind. And, and But it was, it was hard. It was really hard to get up the guts to tell them. And then to have to tell my in-laws, that was the other one that was just brutal. <laughs> I was like, oh, man, I don't want to tell my mother-in-law this. <laughs> yeah. What is she going to think of me? Um, but my in-laws were just fantastic. They were encouraging. They were loving. Um, they were forgiving. <laughs> so yeah, just so thankful for my family. And I know that's not always the experience that you're going to have. I think actually the, the people that took it the hardest were, I was kind of shocked by it. It was my parents who yeah. already knew my story. And obviously um, I've wa I walked alongside it with them, but yet I think for them to see it in writing, um, something that was going to be shared publicly, it just really it just really hit them hard and, and it took them a few weeks to get to the point where they were like, okay, Gary, we're good. You can share it. But, but again, too, once they kind of got over the initial shock of seeing it in black and white, they, they were just so great. Yeah. Love those guys. They're amazing. What's the response been from other people who've now heard your story? Overwhelmingly positive. I, I was kind of, I did a, an interview with, um, my pastor actually with his podcast and he um he said Carrie did you not share your story before this because you were worried about what people in the church would say and and I think to some extent I was but I'm I'm really not sure why because I've never felt I've never had that experience with the church as much as I kind of walked away and rejected it um I had never been hurt that way by the church and and all I knew were Christian people that were loving and kind and generous and and even talking to friends before they knew I had the abortion if this topic came up they they were very gracious with people that made this decision they they maybe would express that they didn't understand how they could get to that point but I think that's valid I I have trouble understanding how I got to that point um so so yeah I think it, it was a great, I got a great response from everyone and, and that is not surprising because I think generally speaking, Christians are loving and caring people and, and, and we're broken. We're all broken. We've all kind of got to that point in our lives where we realize we need Jesus. And, and so, yeah, it's been really good. I've really, really, it's been a good year. 
I think there's a term that says he who is without sin shall cast that first stone. So right. exactly. I mean, there's that. Um, <laughs> yes. It, it, through everything that you've gone through, through uh, your, your highs and lows of your relationship, at, at some point in time, then you decided, uh, let's do a, a podcast, Comedian's Wife podcast. Why did you decide that you wanted <laughs> to then, you know, open up this whole realm of media and listeners and everything else? Yeah, I'm still not sure why I'm doing this podcast, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> you, so, crazy story. This is such a dumb reason to do anything, but uh, I, I don't know why, but I'm intrigued by marketing. So, I've always mm. been a little bit involved with Leland's career and just doing some administrative stuff for him on the side and, and things like that. But I read this book called You Are a Brand because I was trying to figure out Leland's audience because he's such a, <laughs> a bit of an ignorant. I can't even think of the word, but he's a bit of, I don't know. I was like, is your audience older, younger? Are they Christians? Are they not Christians? Who who are these people? And I was trying to figure it out so that we could help kind of with his marketing. And, and by the time I finished the book entitled You Are a Brand, I decided I'm a brand. Hmm. <laughs> I'm a comedian's <laughs> wife. And I had just around the same time kind of accepted that this was Leland's career. And this was, this was our path for the long haul. And up until then, I was kind of like, ah, well, there's all these other options. Maybe you should consider them. (laughs) 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 But I finally got to the point where like, no, this is what he's doing. This is what God's gifted him in. This is his calling. Um, So I had this kind of just this idea of comedian's wife. and, And so I started to look around and I've talked to a few people and trying to find somebody that could use my idea. <laughs> and I was actually talking to Sandy Mix, um, who is wife of Brad Mix, who's our um, distributor. And she just looked at me and she's like, Carrie, God did not give me this opportunity. He gave you this opportunity. And so, um, yeah, I just thought, you know what? Why not? The pandemic hit. We were looking at different ways to kind of explore um, ways that Leland could work, not at live events. And so we thought, well, it's a great time to start doing the podcast together. And um, it is the exact opposite of what I ever thought I would be doing. And probably mm. the ex- exact opposite of the giftings I've been given. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm, really, I'm really not sure what God's asking of us in that. But we're trying to just be faithful and push through. I still, for some reason, I feel compelled to do it, and yet I don't really know why, because I don't feel comfortable doing it at all in any way. (laughs) God likes to stretch us. He does, yes. And I love the title of your podcast, Why Me? Because I feel like that's very much (laughs) how I've been feeling (laughs) since I started doing this podcast. It's like, oh, Really? Why can't somebody else do it? I don't want to do it. Because <laughs> you have a Here unique voice that needs to be heard. <laughs> I do, I guess. I'm not sure how much it needs to be heard, but we'll, that will, we'll see. Well, let's talk about why me moments then, because I'm sure as you reflect over your life, there's probably a couple that you can think of, whether it was in a, a valley of life or a mountaintop, uh, kind of like with starting the podcast. Doesn't sound like a valley, sounds very exciting. But again, <laughs> we often ask, why me? So what are some of those standout why me moments for you? Yeah, I know I kind of shared with you guys before we started that when I 
um, when you guys invited me onto the podcast, I thought the why me you guys wanted to talk about would be why would I be married to Leland? Me crying out to God. <laughs> why me? That's why? what we thought it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that, I, you know, a joke, but actually that's been probably one of the most difficult things for me because I just really fought it. And um, I, it sounds silly because it's like, well, why wouldn't you want your husband to, com- to be a comedian? That's so fun. That's so exciting. But all I could see was the insecurity financially, the, the lack of structure, the everything that we were going to give up by him doing this career. I, for some reason, I could just see it so clearly. And so I really fought it for years. And I would be supportive and say the right things and do the right things and work alongside him. But then I would also get really frustrated quickly and I'd get angry quickly. And so it really was hard on our marriage. Uh, and I, it wasn't until I really settled in and... Um, and even just kind of realized, okay, this is what I want my life to be. And I keep striving for these other things. Um, but I, I kind of got to the point where I realized, where does God have me now? How can God use me now? And that's when I just was like kind of a bit of an aha moment where I'm like, oh, this is where I am. This is where God's placed me. These are the gifts that he's given me. These are um, all the things that, all the tools that I have that that he's given me to use. And so... Um, it was only then when we really started, I feel like I really started working alongside him. Um, and I really feel like we were stronger, so much stronger um, together when I was able to get to that point. But I fought it for a good 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> so it was definitely a why me. I, <laughs> it's a long time to be kind of crying out that. <laughs> but there it is. <laughs> you don't have to explain yourself. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Her uh, podcast is available wherever you get uh, your podcast, just like ours, Holly, uh, Comedian's Wife podcast. You can go to comedianswife.com at Comedian's Wife on all socials. Carrie, we appreciate you uh, being vulnerable, being honest, and really just uh, saying yes and hanging out with us. Mm -hmm. Thank you for having me, guys. So great to talk to you. Big thank you once again to uh, Carrie for taking some time, as uh, we say each and every week, and just sharing her heart with us. Yes, and what an incredible story. I am uh, just so honored that she would share her story with us, and I do hope that it encouraged you just hearing how no matter hmm. what you go through in life, God is still for you. I, I'll be I'll be 100% honest here that I thought we would just be cracking jokes, mm. making laughing, smiling. And <laughs> this was a, a bit more serious, but I think it was also kind of, it, it was nice to be able to just uh, hear the raw reality of this is carrying her life. So make sure if you know of anyone who's gone through this similar situation that you share with them this episode, mm. and hopefully it will encourage them as well on their journey. You can download on all the different platforms, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Uh, you can email us. We love the emails, mm-hmm. by the way, the uh, positivity, uh, why me project at outlook.com. Uh, yeah, it was just very yeah, feeling, feeling blessed. Yeah. Uh, don't forget to rate, review what was your favorite episode. Ooh. And um, we've been collecting books. So keep it here yeah. because we might have some to give away sooner than later. Right. Holly cashed in two toonies and a loony <laughs> for the Canadians. For the Americans, are like, I don't know what that is. It's five dollars, and yes. somebody might get five bucks too. <laughs> also, don't forget you can check us out at faithstrongtoday.com. 